Sweet. Welcome, everybody. Breaking brains, building hearts. We're live on Facebook today. Big time. Upgraded every week. We're such big trend people that right when Facebook's facing its worst moments ever, we're now going to... We finally figure out how to go live on Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You're never too late, baby. You're never too late. Oh, too funny. Maybe sometimes you are. But we'll tell ourselves you're never too late. <laughs> yeah. Uh, awesome. It's good to be back with you guys. For those who don't know, Chris McAllister, James Rory's, Brett Burchard, here trying to break your brains, build your hearts for another awesome week. Um, and we've been going through a series of mindsets that are highlighted in our book, Catching Confetti. Chris, always the one to bring it to the forefront. A uh, book we wrote for specifically for athletes and coaches, but uh, has also found help for business folks as well in developing the mindset of a champion. We've worked through all, we've worked through six of the seven mindsets. We're on the seventh mindset now, which would be the empathetic mindset. Um, and I, uh, this one's interesting for me because when we wrote the book, empathetic mindset has had one, we kind of took one direction with it. And then when we made the toolkit, the online training toolkit, uh, I kind of took it in a different direction. And now as I'm working with a team have taken it into a third direction. And so uh, I'd like to share um, what I've been doing with athletes and coaches for the empathetic mindset. And then Chris would like to hear just kind of where empathetic mindset lands with you. And then Jimmy as kind of a guy who doesn't have as much exposure to these mindsets as we've defined them. We'd like to hear how it lands for you um, kind of in your world. Um, Maybe we'll start uh, just Chris, what kind of, where does it land for you as far as the empathetic mindset is concerned? Yeah. Yeah, I would love to hear too where you changed uh, or, or where you like broadened it out. And I'm so on the edge of my seat for that. Apologies, I just banged my table. So when I get excited, that's I do those things. <laughs> Jimmy had to help remind me recently because I was like, bah, rah, 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 like Dwight on The Office when he's doing that speech. No, um, the simplest thing, and this will be super brief because I really am excited to hear about what you were referencing there. When you're secure in your self, when you know who you are, and you're not consciously trying to read the signals of others, are they approving of me? Do they like me? Where do I fit in? Am I going to be taken care of? You know, the way that we talk about this, the identity fear level, you don't even consciously know that's in your brain. But when that's calm, you really can see, feel and hear the other. And so an empathetic mindset just means that I'm not here for just what I can get out of this. I'm here to give something to it. And And in the empathy of that, I'm not seeing them how I want to see them. I'm seeing them for who they are, you know, and I'm coming beside them in that way. And and I want to be seen the same way. I don't want to tell people. I don't want people to tell me how to see the world. I want them to help me see the world as I was meant to see it. And so it is a, it's an exchange back and forth where we are, we are doing that for one another. Mm -hmm. It's so beautiful. Like uh, most of the work we've done has been on, like the individual journey, um, which you know we say up front, like a healthy we is made up of healthy me's, and so like 
finding the individual get to a healthy place, so the, the individual leader or competitor or performer, you get to a really healthy place. And then bringing that, that secure version of who you are, that best version of you are into the group. Um, and that's where it comes together in the empathetic mindset. Like how does all that work you've done on yourself uh, translate into your relationships and the people you're leading or the people you're just in partnership with um, the people you interact with. Uh, and the, the thing it it's happened now when I work with teams, especially sports team, team sports, uh, basketballs, footballs, soccers, those, you know, the, the team sports especially is, it's such an interesting dynamic because you're putting this team together to compete with an opponent, another team. But there's also competition within the team. Like you're sparring against each other every day in practice. And then you're fighting for playing time or roles or, or positions within the group. And of course, like the idea is come together and we sacrifice for the team because our team is going to compete with the other team. But there's also competition within the team. Like, you know, mm. this guy's got... You know, I'm trying to be a starter and this guy's coming from my spot or I'm trying to be a leading scorer and this guy's trying to take the mantle and there's competition within the group. And so the, the message we really try to get across to, to these teams is the people within your locker room are not your competition. That competition within each other will make you stronger and sharpen you and get you better and so you need to compete with each other in a sense to improve. But the real competition is outside the locker room. So we're going we're gonna to spar with each other, knock up against each other, expose each other's weaknesses in the safety of our locker room. So then when we reach the real competition, all that stuff has been um, like taken care of. We found ways to fill those gaps and those holes and, uh, and shore up those weaknesses. So... Uh, an interesting way of, you know, how we've taken the empathetic mindset into, you know, okay, if you bring your full healthy version to the group and my teammate does the same, and then we, we use that like, you know, against, you know, not against each other, but we spar with each other in that to now take our collective best self out into the rest of the competition. Does that make sense? What I just described or explained. Um, yeah. I love it's it. It's kind of like when I bust my kids' chops. I'm, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to bust their chops. I'm trying to make them stronger. I'm trying to thicken their skin. I'm doing it for them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Actually, I thought about that in the parenting context because you could do it unhealthy or healthy. But I also thought about it in corporate America where there are people that are toxic leaders <laughs> that are gunning for your jobs and trying to displace you. And, but I also thought about it for us because like no one challenges me to be at my best other than knowing I'm going to show up and stare you guys in the eye. And, and in our meeting, am I, am I doing my best? And, and there are times where I can feel a false pressure or insecurity from that. Like I'm not taking us farther, faster enough, blah, blah, blah. But if I can relax past that, it is the internal competition of each of us running in the brilliance of our strengths that nobody pushes me more than what I want to, to be uh, for you guys in a healthy way. Um, and that's just, you know, 
that's something that's been new for me this last half a year. We've been meeting longer than that, but that emotion has really showed up in a powerful way. And uh, yeah, I'm tracking. How about you, Jimmy? Well, I mean, I mean, empathy is, it's a huge word right now because of the, the, uh, the ex- we're exposing a lot of the transactional leaders and transactional uh, practices that businesses take when dealing with human beings, with their employees, mm-hmm. right? We see the great migration of people out of their jobs uh, because they're just, they're recognizing the transactional nature and, and what they really don't mean to their boss and what they don't mean to their employer. Uh, and that is a that is the direct result of a lack of empathy by businesses and leaders to really look at and understand the world from their employees' perspectives. Why are they here, right? Do we really value them or is it lip service? And uh, as Chris, we were reading a McKinsey article, you know, that really declared that organizations that that don't um, sincerely look at their employees understand their employees will fail. They will not succeed through this next year or more uh, of this this migration of employees. Uh, But that resonates with me also because when we think about leadership and practicing sales as a leadership competency, you know, we are we are pursuing a shared goal and we are leading, we're serving a shared goal and we're leading someone down a shared path to change. Everything that we do in sales and everything we do in leadership ideally is about the shared experience, right? If you're going to be a, a growth multiplier in the context of a sales environment or a growth environment, it has to be a shared experience and you can't get there without empathy. And you can't develop the empathy without walking that path yourself. So I think to your point, Brett, uh, something that resonated with me is is a phrase that we use all the time is that you, know, you can't walk someone down a path you're, you're unwilling to walk yourself. And if growth is the mastery of change, then if I'm not pursuing change in myself, how can I walk someone down, someone else down that path to change? If people buy when they're ready, willing, and able to change, how can I move them, right, to buy or buy into my idea unless I've already walked down that path and I've experienced what it's like to uh, be afraid of change or be nervous by change or have the stress or pressure that's caused by change? If I haven't experienced it, how can I look for it or seek it or understand it in others that I'm dealing with? And so, you know. I think everything you said resonates and it's it can be applied across business as well as as Chris mentioned uh, everyday life. Chris, you were writing, did something stick out to you there that or was that your to-do list for tonight? It's getting longer. <laughs> Things not to say on my date with Brandy. Um <laughs> the uh yeah, I was super inspired here because probably one of this is so weird this insight hit me while jimmy was expressing um probably one of the most like commented on emails i've ever sent uh which for me you know is a high number of people (laughs) now it was this thing where i made fun of how to know if your boss is kind of toxic by the way they do a holiday party and, and and the idea is like the words they use and the things they do where they try to make up for all the bad treatment. 
And, uh, and, and it's the same thing with like burritos, right? We do burritos every Friday so we can ruin your life. There was a meme right now where there's this person drowning. And of course, it's, uh, it just says employees that are suffering. And the manager reaches out with a hand and high fives them. And that's all it is. And it just says pizza party. <laughs> um, and so just capturing some inspiration around that. Yeah. Because that's, that's, it's, it's everything that I think as we think about the individual person who we want to help with site shift, we want to help them know who they are, an identity apart from a work identity. We want them to not have to spend their whole lives trying to figure that out or have to travel everywhere. We want to help them know who they are. And when it comes to businesses, what does it mean to create environments where people can figure that out so that they've got healthy growth-based cultures? And it's not from, you know, all the things that people have told you it is. And right. uh, yeah, right. so just getting fired up. Yeah. It's interesting, to, if I may, uh, yep. Brett, it's just interesting also to kind of observe growing up, this kind of a conversation would have been referred to as a soft conversation, right? Culture, empathy, leadership, you know, those are the things that are nice to have. So whereas, you know, back in the day, it was just work hard, right? Who gives a shit? I mean, it was innovative to say, to, you know, to uh, add to that context, um, uh, this idea of being smart and working hard. <laughs> but today what we're finding out is that, you know, people are recognizing it because they're experiencing it every day. It's the soft stuff that makes work worthwhile. It's the soft stuff that motivates us. It's the soft stuff that gets us up in the morning. It's the soft stuff that doesn't allow us to call in you know, call in sick. It's a soft stuff that that um, that uh, convinces us it's a good idea to bring our cell phone on vacation. Not because we're going to get our asses kicked or chewed out, but because we want to be commit. We're committed to the the mission, the vision of the organization, and we're willing to put the extra time in because it motivates us. It means something to us. It aligns with our sense of purpose. It's something we want to do. Um, it it speaks directly to this idea that we're not motivating people through manipulation, carrot stick. We are motivating people through connecting with them, putting them in the right place, uh, in the right role, the role that suits their natural work style, uh, positioning them so that they can they can develop their motivation, develop their mastery as part of our organization. And and if they if we can give them that, then why the hell would they go anywhere else? Yeah. The digital allows such an abundance that um, how we get there matters because we are going to get there. Right. I mean, for most for most organizations, if you've got a, a decent level of intelligence, um, and and not all spaces are like this, but especially a lot of digital spaces, you think it's definitely with sports team sports teams. There's no you know the soccer team isn't having to go out and figure out how to you know when the month's income, they have a very focused place they need to perform and they know that and they're zeroed in. So it's the culture around that that helps that performance be not only better, as Jimmy was saying, as Jimmy was saying, but it makes it fun. It's like life's right. too short. And I think Ted Lasso has brought that out in a big way. Um, yeah, I can only imagine all the insight you'd have to give us on Ted Lasso, Brett, and the empathetic mindset. <laughs> <laughs> he is definitely the uh, poster child for it. Right now, um, 
the one thing that's that's sticking out to me, and, and both of you have touched on this in different ways, you know, is is the distinction of empathy, and maybe in contrast to sympathy, and like coming with empathy is action. Mm-hmm. It's not just you know, oh, I feel bad for you, you know. Chris, the the meme you referenced, right? Oh, I'm sorry. I feel bad for you. Here's a pizza party. Like, yeah, you know, or it's it's not just you know, figure out the pain point as you talk about Jimmy and, and where they're at and where they're struggling and just leave them there. But empathy is like, okay, now let's come alongside you and give you action to move forward. How can you? Uh, um, what's the next step you can take? How can you improve from here? What's that shared path we can walk together? Because I know you and understand you and right. see you um, and, and right. can meet you there. And I think that's that's maybe where it gets lost a little bit, where we talk about most people just rely on sympathy, like, oh, I feel bad. And you know, we talk about this on the sports team, like you can go sit on the end of the bench and pout because of whatever happened in the game. But I'm not, but it'd be a disservice to just leave you there at the end of the bench, you know, drowning in a pool of your own sympathy. Like the empathetic mindset, I'm going to go sit on the end of the bench with you mm-hmm. and then give you back into the game. Like, okay, I understand this is where you're at. It's not okay to stay here. So mm-hmm. let's keep moving. Let's move, find a way to move forward, mm-hmm. um, which I think is the super, super powerful part of the empathetic mindset. Um, as we as we've concluded most of our episodes, if you took that in mind, like okay, here's where I can meet you and help you move forward. Um, what would be a, a takeaway for people uh, to start living with more empathy? Or if you think they need some some empathy from us right now, what would you uh, what would you share? You want to go first, Jimmy? I'll do it. I'll let I'll give you the last word, Chris, because it'll be it'll be profound. <laughs> and and maybe people will stop watching after they hear from me because it'll be it'll be enough. Uh, the numbers just started dropping on Facebook. <laughs> what I would, what you brought up for me, you know, when I heard you talk about sympathy, I I immediately remember the last time I heard that rote automatic response, right. Uh, that was that was really insincere, right? So it's like it's it's harkens back to this idea that we talk about, where you know somebody asks you how you are and you give them the "I'm great, how you doing?" Like you give them the thoughtless response. Sympathy can be thoughtless that way as well. You see someone in pain, you give them what you think is a socially acceptable um, "Gee whiz, I hope you're well." You know, you 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 make the small talk, but there isn't a lot of sincerity behind it. It's a rote. Or a reaction, or it's done just so that you won't look like a jerk. Same thing with empathy, man. I mean, if it's not coming from a sincere place, then it's it's going to fall flat. And I think back to back in the '90s, right during the internet bubble, when we first started seeing, you know, foosball tables and ping pong tables in workspaces. When we had like jars of M and M's, right? Originally, that was done. Um, that was done to reward folks. There was a sincereness, sincerity behind that. Uh, it was also done to keep people at their desks so they would work more. Uh, but it was, it was, it was 
originated with a sincerity that was then um, trivialized over time to, to, to the point where today, because so many large organizations have those kinds of rooms and have those spiffs, they don't mean anything because they don't support a sincere interest in understanding who the, the employee is and, ser and serving the employee uh, what they need to achieve the objectives they have during the day, et cetera. So it's that sincerity that has to come along with the empathy that's important. It's not just a transaction, it's not just a rote behavior. I love it. Um, yeah, you were taking me back to companies we've done stuff with over the years. And when they have that atmosphere and they're not trying to trivialize it and it's real and authentic, it's beautiful. And when it is, you can just feel it and smell it. I think first I would say empathy is not a failure of leadership. So a lot of people we've worked with, you know, I'm leading if I solve it. I'm leading if I fix it. Empathy is oftentimes all that's needed. Then the person can go on their own to solve it. We want to be the leader and help solve it for them if we need to sometimes. But I see you, I hear you, I feel you. I'm sorry that sucks. You know, these expressions of connection. I think secondly, empathy can't be demanded. Every human being is fighting a hard battle. Every human being is facing a struggle. So anybody watching this, you have things about your story where you feel misunderstood or unknown or isn't appreciated that make you feel lonely or hurt. All of us have those things. And we have them in varying degrees. For sure, there are some people that are suffocating under the struggles of life. But in that, you still can't demand empathy. Um, you have to go out and, and make transformation in your world and impact others more than you can demand empathy. And I think third, empathy really hasn't like finished its work. And a lot of the applications we talked about today are great because they're the starting point of empathy. And not that every situation of empathy has this, but empathy really hasn't finished its work unless I've been changed by it. I, I saw my story through my lens. Now I see your story through your lens. And I see more of your perspective and I'm changed by it. I'm made bigger by that story. Um, it didn't fit in how I viewed the world before. It was a part of a judgment categorization or whatever that I've held on to that I didn't even know was there. But now I want to surrender it because I want to be changed. So for me, I think it's it's fitting that it's the it's the cream on the top of the mindsets, and you got to have all this work beforehand to do it right. Awesome. I can't add anything better than what you two all just con concluded with. So. That'll bring us to the end of another episode. And uh, empathy is the cream on the top. But now the bow that wraps it all together next week, we talk about relaxed intensity, my favorite of the whole conversation. So looking forward to that one with you guys and whoever else wants to join us.